morning, everyone. Good to see you. This uh, last week was a, a big week. We uh, launched Cairo out in Coeur d'Alene. I had the privilege of going and spending some time with uh, Jeff and Christy, and a group of us went out from here to the first service and uh, just had a blast. So it was uh, off to a great start, so I wanted to give you that update. Also, another monumental day for me, Valentine's Day. It was about 7.30 in the morning. I sent a text to a good friend of mine, Kevin Longmire. I said to him, happy Valentine's Day. He wrote back, this is touching, he wrote back, you two were soulmates. <laughs> so that's a big week for me. I, I didn't know that before this last Thursday, but it's good. It's good. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be here, and I'm uh, excited about this series in the book of Ruth. Uh, we are uh, embarking on four weeks talking about this, uh, this pretty amazing story. But I have to be honest with you, I have not always been really uh, intrigued by the book of Ruth. In fact, like, I've kind of avoided it in the past. I haven't really spent much time in it, or I kind of like play it off. And, and here's why. Here's kind of my struggle with it. As I look throughout the Old Testament, I see like uh, Moses, who wrote the Torah. We have the first five books of the Bible, we have the law, we have the story of how everything got started, we, we see some of these amazing things, and then you have guys like David who wrote the Psalms and just opens up the emotional side of faith and, and the wrestling and lamenting and praise, and then you have guys like Samuel who document the history of the people of Israel and and then you come to Ruth, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was written by Jane Austen. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious about that. I, my wife is really big into, like, period pieces. And so every time I turn to the book of Ruth, I feel like, you know, it's some Hallmark classic movie or some Jane Austen book come, kind of coming off the pages. And so, I mean, imagine with me for just a moment, those of you familiar with the story, you have your down-on-your-luck woman named Naomi whose life is falling apart, her husband dies, her sons die, she's like going to be destitute and poverty stricken for the rest of her life, enter, stage left, Ruth, beautiful young woman, commits great loyalty to this, uh, this mother-in-law of hers, decides to be the uh, person that kind of brings everything back together and saves the family, then enter stage Right again, Boaz, this strapping young fellow who uh, then whisks her off her feet and he's wealthy and has everything and then all of a sudden the end of the story and the credits roll and that's, that's what I picture sometimes when I come to Ruth. So I don't know if you're like me with that, but I picture um, Judy Dench as Naomi. <laughs> I mean, that's what Naomi looked like, you know, that's, and then I picture Kieran Knightley as, as Ruth. That's Ruth. And then, and then I'm like, well, Colin Firth would be a great Boaz. The guy that just comes and he's just he's the man, you know? Like, and you all wish that you were with, hanging out with this guy. And so that's, that's what I see when I read Ruth. Or I, or I kind of feel like we're in the middle of this like, e-harmony connection. You know, like, like uh, how a woman found happiness in the arms of her second husband. Like, that's like kind of the tagline for this e-harmony connection. And you have this young, single woman of ethnic descent who is a hard worker, seeks older, wealthy Jewish fellow. 
must be okay with having a mother-in-law that sticks around a lot. Like that's, that's kind of like the, the briefing online. And that's, that's how I have felt about Ruth. So I have this kind of avoidance a little bit, this uh, aversion to it. And so as we decided as a community in some ways that we felt like God was leading us toward Ruth, I was, to be honest, a little nervous. Nervous as to what the text would be communicating to us. Nervous as to what we would see. Uh, nervous as to maybe how we would just kind of get caught up in the story and maybe not take a fresh set of eyes and look at it in a unique way. And I have been uh, really, in many ways, my perspective of Ruth has changed dramatically. The more time that I've spent in it, the more that I've looked at it and read it. Uh, there are some things that I just want to highlight for a couple minutes this morning that as we sit and hear this story, that maybe these two or three things can kind of um, be in the back of our minds, helping us to hear the story in a new way or to see it with a fresh set of eyes. So I want to highlight those this morning. The first one is this. I think Ruth is a lot like Inception. It is a, it's a story within a story within a story. There's like all these levels. And Ruth is really intriguing in that way. Like you have uh, a couple overlapping narratives that are taking place. The first one you have is that this story took place during the time of the judges. So you have this story of the judges. And we went through the book of Judges a while back. And, and we went through the whole book. And what you notice in Judges, if you're familiar with that book at all, is that it is a dark book. It is filled with some heinous acts towards both God and man. It is a book where you see the people of Israel go from bad to worse. They spiral downward with treachery and war and and really idolatry and they walk away from God and it just kind of keeps spiraling and spiraling until you get to this place in the last five chapters. If you get to the last five chapters, if you've made it that far, you hear in this story things like homosexual assault, murder, thievery, the dismemberment of a woman that then gets sent to 12 tribes. The fact that tribes are feeling like this one tribe is going to die out and so they together plan a mass kidnapping of all of these girls and a mass rape that takes place. All of that is part of this story. So you have one level that you see this book of Judges, and then below that you have the book of Ruth. And you have light in the midst of darkness, because the text says specifically that this story took place in the midst of that time, in the midst of that period. And so you see a stark contrast to the book of Judges. You begin to witness the story of a community that is doing what is right in the eyes of God. Judges is people who are doing what is right in their own eyes. And here, you have a group of people that are committed to obedience, humility, marital fidelity, social responsibility, loving faithfulness with one another. There's this clear picture of God's grace in the midst of difficult circumstances. So you see all of that happening in the book of Ruth. And then if you kind of go... To another level, you see this grand narrative of the story of the redemption of God. That God is seeking to draw 
mankind to himself, but he wants to do that through Jesus Christ. And he wants to bring us back, restore us essentially to the garden. That there was a time where everything was good and perfect and right, and then that has been marred, and sin has ruined that, and he is wooing us back and drawing us to himself. And so you see this story where the culmination of this grand narrative, a part of it, we get to kind of look into this huge meta narrative, and we see this story of Ruth and Boaz, and then the son being born, Obed, and Obed leading eventually to David, and David leading to Jesus. And there's this lineage that comes through Ruth and Boaz. And that is a part of the story within a story within a story. And we get to look at this amazing picture of God moving through the lives of people. We'll do that together over the next several weeks. The second thing that I think I've noticed as I've started going through this book is that Ruth is all about Hesed. Many of you are familiar with that Hebrew word. Basically, it can be translated as kindness, loyalty, faithfulness. The easiest way to describe it is this uh, faithfulness that's born out of a, a strong commitment, a sense of caring for someone else. And it's one of the major themes throughout the book of Ruth. There's this steadfast love on the part of God toward His people, this Hesed. And Hesed, if you were to look for it in your own life, if you were to look around and see, man, are people demonstrating that toward me or am I demonstrating that towards someone else? The easiest way to look for it is to find someone who goes beyond the expected. If this is what would be expected of someone in that situation, it's someone who goes above and beyond. Someone who goes far beyond the call of duty. And what we see through Ruth is pictures of People like Boaz and Ruth and Naomi that demonstrate and live out what it means to be faithful and to have loving kindness towards those around them. And we'll see all kinds of ways that that plays itself out through the story. But even more than that, the book of Ruth is trying to point us toward a God who is all about Hesed, a God who is all about grace, compassion loving kindness, covenant loyalty to His people. So not only is Ruth a story within a story within a story, but it's also this picture of faithful, steadfast love. And then Ruth is really about Naomi's redemption. Ruth is about Naomi's redemption. See, redemption is one of those other key themes in the book of Ruth. You see it woven throughout the story. There is this restoration, there is this this redemption that is taking place in the lives of the characters. But too often, I think, we make Ruth, the book of Ruth, just about Ruth. And I think the reason we do that is because she seems like this very obedient, faithful character. She seems to um, be so dedicated to her mother-in-law. She turns from a foreign faith to faith in Yahweh. She begins to change her life around. She relies upon the grace of God. Even the book is titled after her. But what's interesting is if you add up all of the times characters are mentioned in the book of Ruth, Naomi is the one that's mentioned the most. See, this is really, in my opinion, very much a story of the redemption of Naomi. 
down. And so what you see in this text is Naomi moving from emptiness at the beginning of this story to complete fullness at the end. That she begins childless, losing her husband, her family, losing her sons, and then gets to the end and now has a grandchild. As she goes from sorrow where she calls herself bitter to the place where she's filled with joy, that she moves from a place of poverty all the way to a place of security, a place of being faithless in God to a place of absolute trusting. There's this huge change in the life of Naomi, but the interesting thing is it isn't because she's done something. It's completely because the community around her did things for her and with her. It's really interesting that what we find is in this parable-like story, we don't just find an encouragement for us to live like Ruth and to embody her qualities, but we also see, I believe, how much we resemble Naomi. We see how much we are faithless, like the church at large or like the people of Israel, that there is this movement from, yes, we trust, no, we don't anymore. Circumstances are great and God is good and then the circumstances change and I'm no longer believing. There's this back and forth, back and forth, and Naomi represents that. A character who embodies, in many ways, the attitudes of Israel. And so Naomi is the one in need of redemption. And Naomi is the one that receives that redemption based on no merit of her own. And just like us, we are the recipients of unmerited favor. That we are the ones that receive this chesed, this love, this faithfulness, this restoration from God. And so as we hear this story read in just a moment, be watching, be listening, be thinking through the fact that this is a layered story with so many pieces to it. From the judges all the way to redemption to the very characters in the story. Also be looking for ways in which you see steadfast love, commitment, faithfulness, and then also focus on Naomi. Maybe hear it through a different lens as you begin to see and to understand Naomi's role in this redemption. And then hopefully along the way you might also see Colm first as he peeks out among the story. All right, we're going to read over the next few moments, but let me pray and just ask God to to allow this story to speak to us in some powerful ways. Father, we are grateful for just your text and how you teach us so much through it. And over these next few moments, as we listen to stories, as we listen to characters, as we listen to people, and how they interacted with you, how they interacted with one another, with the community, how they obeyed your laws, how they were faithful to your word and that you are faithful to them. God, may this story speak to us. We believe that your word is powerful, that it is alive, that it is active, and we ask you today to allow it to cut to the very heart of who we are as we listen to the reading of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. 
So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Amimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilon. They were Ephrates from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kellen also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard that Moab, in, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of His people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, "Go back, each of you, to your mother's home." May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, "We will go back with you to your people." But Naomi said, "Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home." My daughters, I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look," said Naomi. "Your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her." But Ruth replied, "Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely." If even death separates you from me, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, "Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi," she told them. "Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter." I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, "Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor." 
Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who is from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have, for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. She sat down with the harvesters. He offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to an ephah. She carried it back and down, and her her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked for today was Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, Even he said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, Should I not find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz with the servant girl as you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went 
over to lie down in the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached him quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned to discover a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than what you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized and said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her, and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down, just as the family guardian and his, he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the family guardian, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to a relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and, and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these, those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the family guardian said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to be final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the family guardian said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. I also have acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah to be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to, Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a family guardian. May he be famous among throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. 
and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Jesse, or Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. 